there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. I'm your host, Jeff Quirk, joined today by my friend and colleague and superstar, Ben Hansen. Hello, Jeff Quirk. Hello. And as always, we are watching episodes of the Classic Twilight Zone show. Five episodes at a time. You can Mm -hmm. follow along with us. We encourage you to do so. We're on season two now. And this is the second block of five. Very confusing structure. It's very confusing structure if you talk about it and think about it. But (laughs) if you don't do those things, it makes complete sense. Right. So I think this is an interesting block, in my opinion, because I I don't want to play my hand. But I'll just go out and say it. I think it starts off really strongly with the episode Eye of the Beholder. Yes. Okay, this one I'll do a really quick setup because we've talked about this. I have a tendency to go long with my setup. This is super long and Hansen annoying. Hansen doesn't like this, so I'm going <laughs> to go very quickly. Ready? Yeah. A lady, her face is all bandaged up, and she's got some kind of operation or something, and then they take the bandages off because she's ugly, and then it, everyone there is ugly, and she looks normal. And she's the freak because she's, she's beautiful. Exactly. She's the one that stands out. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you did a really good job. Yeah, a lot of tension there. You could kind of tell what was going on. This is one of the most famous episodes of The Twilight Zone, I think. It's so famous. There's so many things that I wonder if they are inspired by this episode. Like, do you think, like, 1989 Batman, like the Joker scene where he's like, mirror, mirror. Even, oh, like, yeah. any classic scene where somebody's face is bandaged, mm-hmm. bandaged up. Is that inspired from this episode, do you think? It could very well be. And then I was also thinking, Marilyn Munster. <laughs> From the monsters, like what? she, have you you know the monsters? You've seen the yeah. monsters, right? Yeah, they kind of have the same thing where she's beautiful, but uh, everybody in the family sees her as like the ugly weirdo, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so the big the the gimmick with this show though is I did a very brief summary. Yeah. Some would say too brief, mm-hmm. but Ben Hansen wouldn't be among those people. Nope. But the thing with this is you don't see her face for an excruciatingly long period of time. Like three-fourths of the episode. Right. And all the other characters, they do a masterful job of shrouding them in darkness. So you see the doctors, you see them kind of interacting with each other, and you, know, you see exterior shots of her, obviously, with the bandages, you, and they conceal her form so well, you have no idea, if you've never seen the show, what's underneath. You don't know if her, she's got like a giant pumpkin head, or... Do you think what? people back in the day would have figured it out? I mean, this is such a famous episode. I knew right. what was going to happen going in. It's a good question because they do kind of hint at it beforehand because this is in like a kind of a totalitarian future yeah. where, where uh, everyone kind of worships dear leader or whatever they call him. And he him. preaches conformity to everybody exactly. over the loudspeaker constantly. Right, because they the whole reason she's getting this procedure done is because, you know, conformity, like you say, and then she's so frightening that it's just kind of, you know rocking the boat a little bit with her ugly face. And apparently there is another society or like a ghetto that you get sent to if you're mm-hmm. born with this weird birth defect that makes mm-hmm. you look like we look on Earth. Right. In this other version. Yeah. yeah. And when they finally do show everybody, you know, she's beautiful. Yeah. And they have this really cool, weird, like overlapping snarl lip and like a pig nose kind of thing. It'd be an awesome Halloween costume. Yeah. I'm thinking about going as one of those weirdos It really would year. be a good Halloween costume. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'd seen this episode before when I was a kid. Yeah. And I'd forgotten. And I knew what the twist was. Obviously, I remembered because I'm, uh-huh. you know, as a kid, I wasn't like an infant. But <laughs> I remember, I, I'd forgotten that there was like such a great uniformity 
with all of these things. I just remember them being like weird looking, but yeah. I didn't remember them being weird looking in the same like pig, same lip kind of thing. It looks like the lips are at the title screen of Mario 64 and somebody's grabbing them uh, with a white glove and pulling yep. them in one direction. I think that's a, a really good reference point <laughs> for <you>. some people. <laughs> yeah, this episode, it has to be one of the strangest episodes ever put on TV, right? Like, I'm so used to the Twilight Zone structure now where the before the second commercial break, that's usually where the big twist or the big sting happens. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for the reveal to happen then, but it's yeah. not. They hold it even longer than that. And so much of this episode is just weird, slow, ominous music. Mm -hmm. Her talking about her face, the doctors being like, oh God, if I look like her, I'd put myself in the grave. Oh yeah. Weird stuff like that. It is a bizarre episode. Yeah, and they prolong it as long as possible. Like when they do the camera lens is kind of wrapped in there because they're unwrapping it in layers because they need to make sure her eyes adjust to the light. Yeah. And then the doctor goes, no change, no change at all. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> yeah. And she has like a weird kind of sexy pouty face for her big reveal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, she runs around and everyone's kind of freaked out. Well, that's the she... thing. This episode is such an abrupt turn Yeah, as far as the tone goes because mm -hmm. it's a very subtle, very slow episode. And the second her bandage comes off, like the leader... And his, the television programs is projecting him are just scattered throughout the hospital. The music's going crazy. Yeah. She's running around. Suddenly she's into an action film of her trying to escape yep. this hospital. And she and, runs into the arms of an extraordinarily handsome man. But in this world, he's super ugly. Yeah, she's even like, kind of grossed out by him. Yeah, and the doctor's like, oh, there he is. What a coincidence. Yeah. I don't understand why they had to make it had to put such a hard sci-fi twist on this episode while they had to kind of like channel 1984 in some weird hmm. ways. It's like, it would have been just... You, as impactful, if not more impactful, if it was just our society, except the flip. Yeah, I, th I think that ugly. you have to have consequences beyond so, just, okay. oh, I have to live with how ugly I am. That's they, a good point. They, they do have a, to good thing, her. a good thing, too, though, is like, um, I don't remember this part when I was a kid, but they, they go into, I was like, God, why don't they just slice her face up? I mean, if she's so ugly, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. just get in there and do it. <laughs> and the doctor's like, yeah, you're a special case. Plastic surgery wouldn't work, so we have to use um, injections and implants as best we can. And we'll... Yeah. And it did not work. Yeah, what did they even try? <laughs> it's, it's amazing <laughs> how bad they are at this job. They probably like, just like, patted her face a bunch. And, and they wrapped it up quickly and just <laughs> hoped to God that they could still send her a check. They did the thing like like uh, push her nose up a little bit and tape it, <laughs> hoping that it would stick up like you do when you're a kid. Come on, yeah. take uh, this this was an awesome episode. Yes. Mainly for how weird it was. Uh, it, it got a little too aggressive in the second half or like towards the end with that stupid dictator on TV. But yeah. I still really liked it. I ended up giving it an eight. I gave it a nine. Wow, it's up there. Yeah. It's certainly a good one. It's, it's, it's a classic for a reason. I guess you can say quality is in the eye of a person who watches the episode. Thanks, Cork. Uh, next episode is called Nick of Time, and to my chagrin, it does not star somebody named Nick who time travels. I was really, <laughs> my expectations were soaring when I saw this dumb name, but it does star William Shatner, who is a uh, he's on his honeymoon with a lovely lady. They go to a small town, and he, there's a fortune telling machine that pumps out like fortune cookie type fortunes, and he gets addicted to it, convinced that it knows his future. And he then there's a couple of coincidences and he becomes more addicted to this machine until eventually his wife says, oh, I'm worried about you being so superstitious. We need to get out of here. And then they leave with the big reveal that then another couple comes in at the end and they're in the same loop where they're stuck in this small town 
addicted to the future telling properties of this fortune telling machine. Yes. And so it's another addiction episode, much like our classic Franklin episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty cool one. I, I liked it. A few things stood out to me. The first yeah. of which, young William Shatner, extraordinarily, I'm going to say extraordinarily handsome again. Yes. Back-to-back episodes of extraordinarily handsome men. But. Also, I noticed that he has become such a caricature because of Kirk. Yeah. But in this episode, it's like, oh, he's a really good actor. Like, he does a great job sure, in this episode. Yeah. And think just the parody of Kirk and mm-hmm. slowing down your speech so much has just become infused with him where it's like, oh, he doesn't really get to show off his acting chops too yeah. much. And a- another thing that stood out immediately right from the beginning is they're in this tiny town in Ohio yeah, and their car broke down and they're getting towed and they're just sitting in their car that is being towed. <laughs> just like, I guess that's what they used to do back then. People didn't file there's lawsuits or... There's no entertainment, man. I mean, it's a cheap ride. Yeah. His wife looked like... She could be the mother of Jane from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Her dress, like she just rolled around on a picnic blanket <laughs> and pinched the top off. Well, they <laughs> are honeymooners. As, as Serling describes him, he calls <laughs> William Shatner's character the male member of a honeymoon team. There you go. It's really just overwriting, really stretching this thing. Yeah. He just loves to be on camera so much in the beginning, he's trying to write it out <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah, this episode's fun because the... Um, the Mystic Seer, that's the name of the, the device, has kind of got like this springy head. This demon a, head on a, top. Yeah. yeah, it's a napkin dispenser in addition to f- dispensing fortunes. And you have to answer your ask questions that are answerable by yes or no. Right. And I think the thing that gets him so addicted is that it doesn't just say yes or no. It does these vague like, I don't know, might seem so. His first question that he wants to know is because he's up for this promotion. Right. And he's like, hey, am I going to get this promotion? And then he runs over to the payphone and he puts in what seems like all the change, yeah. like a long distance call. And lo and behold, he does, which he credits Mystic Seer for knowing. And there's a there's a pretty cool plot going throughout where his wife is just really worried about him. Because yeah. they're on their honeymoon and she knows this has been a problem. Yeah. Just a very subtle addiction. Like his keychain has like a lucky rabbit's foot. And, and a little clover. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it was really well done. And then it just spirals out of control. Mm-hmm. And th- So the big kind of twist or what seals their deal in being addicted to this uh, mystic seer is it says like he's trying to figure out when he should leave the restaurant because yes. he's worried that they're going to die and it says something about three o'clock like oh be careful around three o'clock and then he almost gets hit by a car but that scene was really confusing he took like the longest diagonal route across the street and lo and behold a truck was driving and then in he downtown kinda, like instead of stopping he like tries to rush him and his wife past the truck yeah, into another lane of traffic. It's just... <laughs> I mean, this would be a more interesting episode if the wife even doubted whether or not that happened. If she thought that maybe he kind of pushed her into traffic a little yeah. bit and then tried to save her. But it wasn't. Like, the wife was much more convinced that something was up with this mystic seer mm-hmm. after they dodged traffic like that. Yeah. So then they go back and try and stump the mystic mm-hmm. seer. But they have the worst way of trying to stump it. Like, if you really want to find out, you could get so detailed, but they still say pretty vague with their questions. Well, to be fair, we're dealing with a couple that they order tomato and lettuce sandwiches on wheat bread. That's true. (laughs) And they kept ignoring that chicken or whatever the hell the waiter (laughs) kept trying to give them. Chicken fried steak sandwich or something. Yeah. And he's like, you would have liked that better. Yeah, I, I thought that was going somewhere. But they had iced coffee, which I thought was very progressive for the time. I didn't know such a thing existed. That's true. All right, in the beginning of this episode, there's something that I was really confused about. Okay. Uh, years ago, I saw a Family Circus mm-hmm. comic strip thing. Yes. And 
the joke made absolutely no sense to me and I cut it out and I put it on my wall because I thought, oh, this is Family Circus just hitting rock bottom and they are completely, they don't even make sense anymore. Okay. And the joke was two of the kids walking down the street saying bread and peanut butter. And I had never seen that again. But in the beginning of this episode, he's holding hands with his wife and they're walking down the street and they are on other sides of like a lamppost. Yeah. And the, he says bread and butter. Hmm. And like, ho, ho, ho. So is that an old thing? Like if you get, if you're straddling a pole like that, do you say bread and butter? I usually just jerk my wife's arm so hard yeah. it nearly pulls it out of her socket. Yeah, yeah. Like the twist on this one is that there is this other couple that is just trapped. They they're come stuck in, they, in that town theoretically forever. They look completely frazzled. And they're like, well, is, will we be able to get out of there today? And then you don't see what they're saying. She, it's the camera's yeah. pulling back. Oh, will we be able to, ever be able to get out of this town? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Mr. Chicken Fried Steak, he's stuck there too. And he just realized he should, might as well get a job there because he can't leave the town. Yeah, free iced coffee. Why fight it? <laughs> Rest of his life. Uh, I like this episode. Uh, yeah. I ended up giving it a six. A six? I gave it a seven. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. In a, in a really horrifying way. The next episode, The Lateness of the Hour. This one we open in a parlor. There's a older couple. Uh, wife is getting a massage. The is she? The, yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> the husband is smoking his pipe, and then the daughter is just wandering around looking completely bored, and she's saying, Dad, Mom, why don't we get out of here? You've got these robots you've assembled, and they do everything for you. So there's like a robot like maid, carpenter, housekeeper, all these kind of people. And she's like, I've had it. I want to get out of here. If if you don't let me out, I'm just going to go anyway. So the father says, well, whatever, let's do it. And they t send all the people downstairs. And then she realizes to her horror, there aren't any pictures of me in the photo album when I was a little girl. And they break the news to her. Yeah, you're totally a robot too, but we love you. And then, dun, 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 the twist on this one is they're like, well, we can't let her go. We're too attached to our daughter. We love her so much. So then we see the mom getting the massage again. And what a massage. And it's the blank face of the daughter is now the robot maid that we they saw in the opening shot. They her to be the maid. Yeah. And Robot. The, str <laughs> the strangest part is they give her the former maid's name which is Nelda. Nelda. The worst name, but apparently they like it so much they're willing to rename their own daughter. Yeah. Also, uh, the inventor named one of his robots Robert, which seems very confusing. <laughs> Robert Robert. And Rod Serling pronounces it robot. Yeah, he's a big robot guy. Robot there was an guy. earlier episode, I think it was the... Is the Lonely? Is that what it was called? The one yeah. on the asteroid? I think they call it Robot in that one, too. Yeah. So the most interesting part of this episode for me was when she is screaming, like, oh, I hate all these robots. Just get them out of here. Yeah. And then the inventor's like, all right, I got to take them down to the basement and kill them. And they're all, like, pleading for their lives. Yeah. Do you think they know that she's a robot? Maybe bad things have happened in, in the basement before. Yeah, they must know. Okay. Because they're all, like, pleading their ears. That's a direct order. Go downstairs, everyone. Yeah, then, yeah. But before that, there's another scene that I think is really cool when uh, the there's a maid mm -hmm. and the daughter is at the top of a flight of stairs yeah. and this other maid is there and she just pushes the, the 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 robot down the stairs. Yeah. And it does one of those classic Twilight Zone actors are expendable, like real-time <laughs> stunts where you're like, ooh, that, that really looks like it hurts. Yeah. And the robot that's falling down the stairs, she's smiling, this weird vacant grin the whole time and she stands up and she's just like, hmm pretty cool uh yeah. when did you realize the twist in this one 
Um, honestly, I didn't realize it until it panned up and there's just like the blank expression of the doll. I mean, I knew she was a robot immediately. Okay, that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, the twist is that she got re- reprogrammed in to the massage okay. bot. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that wife, was really, that was an unsettling image for me. That wife really goes above and beyond to sell the fact she's getting a massage. Holy man, does she like that massage? Because they they focus on the daughter in the, the establishing shot. Yeah, yeah. And she's kind of like looking out the window or whatever. And she's on the far right-hand side. And you can imagine in the parlor on the far left-hand side is the mom getting the massage, right? Yeah. And it's there for a good 20, 30 seconds where you it's off screen and you don't know what's happening. And she's just like, oh, yeah. it's like a when Harry met Sally uh, style scene, yeah. a little harder and just you're <laughs> it's weird. Really? And the dad's getting his like pipe filled by a, a robot. And you're yeah. just like, well, keep going camera. And then they, they keep discussing how great things are. And they're like, isn't it 72 degrees in here? It's like, yes, my dear, the optimum temperature. <laughs> they really sell it. They enjoy their, standard of living a little bit too much oh yeah and then the she broke the glass on the threw a glass on the ground you know show how fed up she was with it all and then instantly yeah. there was a guy with a broom and dustpan yeah i think it was robert the robot robert the ro- robot the thing that stands out the most for this episode for me is how crappy it looked this is the first twilight zone that's shot on tape compared oh, to film yeah. did you yeah. notice that yes absolutely just it looked- the transfer sucked it's like somebody filmed <laughs> off screen from a vhs like yeah it is rough yeah, I expected like a boom mic to pop in this <laughs> shot periodically. It doesn't look great. No, and I guess that was like a cost-saving feature, and I guess there's a couple other episodes that are going to be coming up that they shot on film, that, or on, shot on tape. Mm-hmm. They shot like six or something in total. Yeah, I read about that. Season. Editing was such a nightmare, it ended up costing more money than they'd expected, so they went back to film, which yeah. is a good move, because this was just distracting how it, bad it was. Yeah, it did not hold up well. Uh, so I ended up giving this one... A three. Really? Yeah. See, I'm the exact opposite. I thought... What? I gave it, a, again, I gave it another seven because I thought that it w- it seemed pretty contrived. Yeah. Like, because, you know, okay, the spoiled dot or whatever. I thought that the strength of this callous robot inventor just immediately, <laughs> like, flipping a switch from daughter to maid. Yeah. I thought that was powerful enough to really elevate the rest and of the episode. And flipping the switch on all those other living beings that are in his basement. I think them, he just hacked them up with an axe or something horrible <laughs> like that, ripped their arms and legs off. But I think the daughter, the other robot going down the stairs, I thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I like her when she realizes that she's a robot and she just starts screaming, no pain, no pain oh, at yeah, all. She's like, and she's like banging like, her hand. Like yeah. just now she realizes that she's never felt pain before. Yeah. It's always I, confusing when people have never had something and they know they're missing it. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what kind of timeline we're looking at here. Has this been like week one of our, my new robot daughter? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who can say? All right, uh, next one. Oh boy, what a what a classic, unforgettable. Mm. Trouble with Templeton. Where do we begin? <laughs> Let's just not. <laughs> no, no. So Trouble with Templeton. Uh, it's an aging actor. His wife is cheating on him. He's very nostalgic about his past when he was at his heyday. It's very sixteen millimeter shrine, which is the second episode of yeah. the series. Uh, he goes to his theater to perform his play. There's a new director there. The director is very aggressive. He wanders out of the theater and ends up traveling back in time to 1927 when he was at his peak and he was dating a 18-year-old hot wife who's <laughs> married to an 18-year-old. <laughs> and uh, and then they kick him out of the past is kind of sort of what happens. And he goes back into the future and realizes that he can 
handle the future and the grumpy director after all and he kind of it's how Mr. Templeton got his groove back, basically. And then he he dominates the scene again. A nervous actor in a $4 room. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, uh, so Mr. Templeton, huh? what do you think of this one, Quirk? Uh, my notes are, I think I've got the letter Z followed by seven smaller <laughs> letter Zs in a period. It is very boring. I think one of the things I like about the Twilight Zone typically is that they have a lot of these crazy out there ideas, yeah. right? And they're... They kind of assume that viewers are sophisticated enough to kind of go along for the ride. Here, they indicate that when he goes out of the stage door and he goes into the, like, outside Main Street, there are all these posters, right? And then he's greeted by thunderous applause and he's like, yeah. well, I was not in a play. This is strange. Okay. Uh-huh. There's all these posters and he's like, they're like, it's the hit of 1927. And all the posters say, like, it's 1927. And then he asks a guy, what year is it? Why, it's 1927, And sir. then the camera zooms in on the 27 <laughs> yeah. on the poster. Woo, woo. <laughs> exactly. It was like, really, Twilight Zone? I think maybe time travel was something that people weren't familiar with. Although we did see Stop at Willoughby, where they... Uh, yeah, and even like Walking Distance. Like yeah. It almost... It's a greatest hits montage mm-hmm. of former good episodes. Yeah. And now it's just in a kind of disappointing yeah. chapter. And and he goes to the like the speakeasy right because this is the Roaring Twenty Sevens yeah yeah and he sees his wife who's still Laura quite a hot dish yeah, not bad and uh, and she's really cruel to him and kind of flippant because he's like hey let's go somewhere quiet you know and she thinks that he's wearing age makeup you know now I thought that was a cool detail yeah, yeah she's wondering kind of why aware. he still has his stage makeup on because he looks old so like clearly right. they're not seeing it differently yeah and it and they, it, it had hints of being a more interesting episode than it was like yeah. when she started being more cruel it's like oh is this just kind of a realization that the past wasn't as glorious as he remembers that's where i was too and then she's like just get out of here we don't need you yeah she, well then, first to be clear <laughs> she goes you're a silly old fool of a man yeah and then she goes nuts dancing like i don't even know what you call the that craziest, 20s dance i think that's the kind of dance when like Bluto picks up olive oil and like whips her around like a wet towel. <laughs> That's what kind of dance she's doing that on her own accord. It was really confusing, but yeah. I, I like that when, like when he first got to the speakeasy, mm-hmm. he didn't waste much time in explaining like, Hey, I must be from another earth or something. Like, it's not like he was trying to keep it to himself that he was going nuts. Like he mm-hmm. really tried to explain to these people, like I am from a different universe. I don't know what's happening. And, and that was kind of fun, but they didn't really go anywhere with it yeah. until he left the speakeasy. Oh, yeah. And then the lights went down and everybody got really quiet and still and just stared at the door where he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the his wife, Lara, was illuminated in kind of like a bit of a spotlight almost. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really weird scene. And like towards the end of the episode when that happened, I'm like, oh, is this going to get much more interesting? Mm-hmm. Are they going to have some new twist? Yeah. But I guess the only implication there is that they were acting because he then finds a script in his pocket it was the script that she was using to fan herself off it was so hot oh really okay i guess i missed that she was actually holding that yeah that was yeah and then it it had all the lines that they actually said and mm -hmm. so i guess they were acting his memories flashback were acting but the idea of somebody being rejected by their own past is kind of cool yeah but again it's just not never really fleshed out it was kind of like they wanted him to like you said to move on don't live in 1927 anymore. But it wasn't that. It wasn't like the walking yeah. distance message. There no. was no message. It was yeah. And then when he kind of gives the uh, 
the financier of the play yeah. and the director, a good what for it's supposed to feel like a, I think that it's intended to feel like a real like kick-ass fist pump kind of moment. Yeah. It's just like, well, anything that would get me closer to the end credits on this episode, <laughs> I am all for. So let's do this. In the beginning of the episode, he's watching his wife bang the pool man or something oh, yeah. outside. Yeah. And then he takes, and I think they even say something about it being like a new pill. Yeah. He's just and on so pills. Is there some chance that like that whole flashback was just like an acid trip or like oh. some something to do with this new medication? I don't know if they're going for that. I don't know. It's just a, a quick throwaway line, and this is kind of a quick, I should say long throwaway episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I ended up giving this one a three as well. <gasps> I gave it a three too. Wow, there we go. And speaking Ooh. of like different times, you know, like the 20s and everything. Yeah. Real quick, let's go back to Nick of Time. I just, one thing in my notes <laughs> that I totally forgot about. Yeah. Remember when, when uh, William Shatner tells his wife, stop treating me like a retarded child or <laughs> yes, something? Yes. Yeah, you can't do that now. No, just, that, that line was like really crazy. I also wrote that down as standing out a little bit. Yeah. So let's not dwell on that. Let's move move forward. Please. The final episode in our five-episode block is a most unusual camera. And if you've Indeed. ever played the Twilight Zone pinball machine, you are familiar with this line. Anyway, and then... Wait, what is it? A most unusual camera. I know, but how's that in the pinball machine? It's a line. It's like one of the modes in the pinball game. Oh. Yeah. Is there any context with this episode? No, not really. Oh. It's just a most unusual camera. You hear Rod Sterling say it. Anyway. Okay. This episode of the program, not the pinball machine, opens up with these two uh, criminals as they're going through their loot. And it's a kind of a clever way. They are... Uh, kind of looking at all the items that they stole from this curio shop uh, and everything is garbage with the exception of a camera. Well, it appears to be a camera, but it's, it's like a box with a button, a strap and a lens. There's no place to put new film in or anything like that. And they're kind of goofing around with it and takes a picture of the girl. Photo pops out a little bit. Five minutes later, she's wearing a fur coat. She wasn't wearing that in the beginning. Lo and behold, she gets a fur coat. They decided, Hey, this is, Telling the future somehow, they go to the track, take photos of the scoreboard. It has the forum, like what what horses are going to win next. Fame and fortune. It turns terribly wrong when uh, they she takes a picture and looks like there's a body outside the window, and he falls out. <laughs> and then bad stuff happens, and everybody dies. Everybody dies. Every basically. single person. I've done a really bad job. Of describing this No, no, one. no. They get the idea. The camera yeah. tells the future. It's like a say cheese and die from Goosebumps type of thing. It sets a weird tone because a lady has a weird voice. Mm -hmm. And it almost reminds me of like uh, Lex Luthor and his assistant, whatever her name is. And like the old movie, even like the new one. What this reminds me of, the couple yeah. is... And I'm hoping that once you hear this, you'll be like spot on. Uh, it's the couple in Pulp Fiction at the diner. The dynamic, their voices. <laughs> yes. She's got like that raspy kind of voice and he's kind of a little more refined, but he's kind of a jerk and a jackass. Yeah, yeah. Their yeah. dynamic is like that. Their voices are kind of like that, although that's, he doesn't have an English that's accent. That's really good. He calls her honey bun constantly. Yeah, exactly. Bitch be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Constantly screaming that. So yeah. you missed in the beginning or in the middle of the episode, they take a picture of the door oh, and then yeah, her the brother, brother appears. Woodward, yeah. the brother. Yeah. And he, he opens the Barney door. Rubble. Cork, I wrote down Barney <laughs> Rubble. I swear to God I did. It was actually voiced by Mel Blanc, I think. Huh. But yeah, this guy sounds exactly like Barney Rubble. But he opens the door for his big reveal. Mm -hmm. And then he like opens the door a crack and like sticks his head through. And he looks like the raptors coming into the kitchen in Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, it's like the most awkward reveal for this yeah. dumb guy. Because he broke out of jail. 
Yeah. Because yeah. that was the thing is when they look and they see the picture of the brother, they're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Because yeah. they were trying to like justify how the camera worked. And he, he had some high minded explanation. It was like, ah, oh, it's a gag camera. It's like the thing yeah. you see at the fair where you're, only, you're like a sailor or a fat right, lady right, right. or something. And then the brother sees the picture. He's like, wait a minute. How'd you do that? How come? How come? <laughs> <laughs> holds on Cut him the and then goes to commercial. Yeah. The worst tease of all time. Yeah. It's so confusing that like the tone of this episode was all over the place. Like yeah. it opens up and you think it's going to be a little bit comedic. They don't mm-hmm. really play up the comedy. Like there's a really long sequence when the guy is trying to explain how they're going to get money mm-hmm. from the races with the camera. And I don't know if they meant for it to be a joke that the brother doesn't understand this concept. I think they, it was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. Cause he was like, he over explains it for so long. Yeah. And it's not funny. It just drags on. And then the brother and the guy fight at the end and the guy whips out a knife and his like knife attack pose is just mm-hmm. wacky. And it, it like, it sounds like there should be Benny Hill music underneath yeah. this entire episode. And just the music is different. And therefore the tone is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then those two guys fall out the window. And the funniest part of the episode is the lady really doesn't care. She's like, Oh my brother, my bro. Oh, look at this money. She's just yeah. immediately distracted. And then the, the French waiter guy yeah the hotel room service guy walks in with a bag because he came in earlier yeah. to clear their plates and then he comes back and he just starts putting all the money in the bag and he's like eh it's like he was just sitting there mine. downstairs he sees two bodies land mm-hmm. outside the window and within minutes he's like well I better go rob that lady up there yeah. by herself exactly and then she falls out the window and then he falls out the window. Because he realizes, because the photo that he shows or looks at, he's like, there's more than two bodies out there. And she's like, what? And then trips on the rug. And then he like looks at the photo one last time. More than two bodies. One, two, three. I'm surprised he didn't do un, deux, trois, and then he just, I don't know how he fell out. I think gravity worked differently back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And there's just every window is just a vortex. It's like, you know, yeah. in all sci-fi where they have to open the door to space mm-hmm. and you have to hold on. That's what every window is like. It's constantly sucking people out. A lot of people have fallen out of windows in yeah. Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. And there was kind of a cool thing about the camera too is in French, apparently, it says, you know, 10, basically 10 pictures per customer. Yeah, So yeah. they had to do the quick calculation. How many have we taken? Ooh, that kind right, of thing. right. And then it turns out they ended up getting 10. Yeah. Now some new sucker is going to find that camera. Exactly. Yeah, this this one was all right. Other than the tone being all over the place, uh, I don't think I was really bored watching it. No, I wonder though when the when the guys fell out the window. Yeah, why she used the last photo? Yeah, hey, here's taking your picture. You know, she took. She a, wastes it. She wastes it on their bodies. They, just taking a picture of their corpses. I understand story and whatnot, but it just seems like yeah. a really peculiar thing to do. I liked it when the three of them were fighting about what to do with the camera, mm-hmm. and the brother who had the best idea, he's saying that they should sell it because they had two pictures left. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that is a good idea because you could prove it with one picture Yep. and then sell it and they wouldn't know. But then would it reset when they got the new owner? Is it like the monkey's paws? Is it like the genie? Yeah, you know? is it like the genie? I don't know. I don't know how this canon runs together in Twilight Zone. Do, do you think that they robbed the Curio store I from the genie episode? I would love to try and figure out the web and make every episode canonical. Yeah. I think we talked about this back 
uh, in the last episode of season one because mm-hmm. it was the big reveal that Rod Serling is a yeah. creation of this writer. But yeah. it would be fun. Like recently, somebody did it with all the Pixar films, mm-hmm. tried to make them all canonical with each other. It'd be fun to do that with every Twilight Zone episode yeah. and just to see how complicated and stupid that story gets. Yeah. That might be a good grand finale for this podcast. Let's do it. Six years from now. Six years from now. Exactly. Hey, you, uh, you mentioned you're watching this show with your kid now. Yeah. The, What's that like? Well, I think the six-year-old, he likes to watch anything. And, uh, well, he watches that crappy Spider-Man show from the 60s. So. Exactly. But he's got to think for the 60s, when I say. <laughs> um, no, I can't remember which episode we were watching. Uh, and he, I think it was... Uh, oh, yeah, it was Trouble with Templeton. Uh-huh. He caught the tail end of that and riveted because, like I said, he just likes watching television. So, And I did make him watch uh, Eye of the Beholder, too, actually. Really? Yeah, was that scary? Really, it was, but he liked it. He, go- I think, he, I think, he understood it? Yeah, I, we talked about it afterward, and okay. I think that there's something like kids like stuff that has teeth to it a uh-huh. little bit. You know, I think the best stories for kids are always a little, little dangerous. Yeah, you know, not yeah. like you want to show Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that, but just yeah. stuff that has a little bit of an edge. I think kids like that. And so, which episodes would you not have wanted him to see so far? Like, if you if you walked in and you're watching After Hours, mm-hmm. would you kick him out of the room? Oh, because it's got that spooky skier. <laughs> That horrifying ski mask. He'd never be able to go skiing again. All right. Oh, I ended up giving that last one a four. You gave it a four, huh? Yeah. What what pulled it down for you? Oh, really? It was higher for you? Yeah. Oh, wow. You didn't seem too hot on it when you were describing it. Well, I was trying to do a brief synopsis for you. I I thought it was a fun episode. Okay. What'd you you give it? I gave it a six. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess it's back to that structure of you understand where the plot's going immediately and it just takes too long for the story to catch up with yeah. them over explaining everything and trying to figure out what's going on with this. And it just feels like I've seen this structure mm-hmm. a thousand times already. Yeah. Maybe they could have spent the time that they used kind of going over the, like the central conceit of the scam mm-hmm. to like elaborate on what happened to that guy, why he fell out yeah. Yeah. of a window. <laughs> Well, that's that block of five episodes. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll do another five. Watch along with us and let us know what you think in the comments because we do read those and appreciate it. We don't respond to any of them, but we do read them. We do read them. Absolutely. And we're up on iTunes, so I guess reviewing podcasts is a thing, so feel free to be harsh. Yeah, but don't. (laughs) Tune in next week for a new episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. Highlight, Twilight, Highlight, Cork. And you too.